Seinfeld, the dinner party is over, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap. And now, here are the two guys who have differing favorite babkas. I'm Rob Sussman, here's Kiva Winokur. Kiva, how are you? I hate every babka, let's be you fair. You don't even like cinnamon babka. No, nah, I'm okay with the lesser babka. Yes, I know you don't like the chocolate babka. I don't need any chocolate. Yes, you hate the chocolate. Hate the chocolate. <laughs> All right. Boy, it is so cold here as we're recording this podcast today. It was like 100 degrees every single day. It was Halloween and I was like, it was like 95 degrees out. And today I need to be ensconced in Gore-Tex. It is so cold here today. Yeah. um, Is Gore-Tex a real thing? I meant to check it up and I never did. (laughs) I assumed it was. Is Gore-Tex real? How do you spell it? Is there an E like as an Al Gore or is it? I think it's an Al Gore. Yeah. Okay. I'm guessing it would be like a dash tech. Yeah. No, there is a company, the Gore-Tex Outdoor Apparel Company, uh, according to Google. Now, are they just trying to like cash in on the Seinfeld name? Like, did they exist before this episode? All right. Well, Gore-Tex is a waterproof, breathable fabric uh, membrane and registered trademark of W.L. Gore and Associates, invented in 1969, that miracle year. Gore-Tex is able to repel liquid water while allowing water vapor to pass through, and is designed to be a lightweight, waterproof fabric for all weather use. So it's real. Uh, yeah, the, I, you know, so it was funny. There was like an article in the Wall Street Journal today about a kid who went to my college who uh, was working on like a, some fancy like Wall Street job. And he's he realized like every coat is every like winter coat. Like if you wear George's coat, you're going to be warm. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you buy an expensive coat, it's like too flimsy. So every coat is like. Not if it's warm, it's not a nice coat, and if it's nice, it's not a warm coat. That's right. So he like quit his fancy finance job to like start a coat company. He's disrupting the coat industry. He's disrupting the coat industry. It's it's nice on the outside, but on the inside, it has like a very warm layer. But it doesn't look ridiculous. It's not like puffy, and it's waterproof. I don't know the kid, but uh, I saw the article in the Wall Street Journal today. Wow, this sounds like a future podcast sponsor. Ooh, not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. But anyway, so I I was thinking about that. And then I, you know, watching this episode, really, George, it's a good thing. George is unemployed, so he can walk around in this Gore-Tex and not really worry about, you know, what people think about. All right. Well, we're going to be talking about the dinner party where the gang gets ready to go to a party at somebody's house. We don't really know who the people are that they, I'm sure their names come up at some point, but they're going to a dinner party. They need to get stuff for the dinner party. George wants to bring ring dings and Pepsi. Instead, they have to bring a cake and wine and then hilarity ensues. Uh, yeah, it's really like a, such a, you know, there's so like so many famous moments in this episode and uh, a good time is had by all. Yeah, I enjoyed this episode. Yeah, it's good. It's definitely ne- never like listed as a classic, but everyone knows when you talk about the babka, which one you're talking about. Yeah, um, it has its uh, it's down moments that we'll talk about. But yeah, overall, it is a good episode. OK. I have one major gripe with this episode that we can talk through as we go through it. Of course, uh, this is from season five. And look at us blowing through season five of Seinfeld here on episode 13. We're on the back half, Akiva. Yeah, the back half of season five. You could make a strong case that it's the 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 final uh, 10 episodes of this season that we're starting today or maybe like the strongest 10 episodes, you know, uh, stint in the whole series. Okay. All right, so we're going to get into that. A fun 10 weeks coming here 
on the Seinfeld Recap Podcast. Akiva, any news this week? You know, there was no news, but I, I, I figured I have to, you know, bore people with my opinion on something. Okay, this is what? Politics? Some, something important? Oh, yeah, I'm going to tell you who to vote for in the election. Okay. No, no. A, I was, like, looking up before election bets. I won't, you know, I don't want to get too much into politics, but I was looking at, like, the odds for what everyone has to win, like the Republican nomination, the Democratic nomination, there's not like uh, any exciting odds because I think everyone thinks the same person's going to win. But I was like, oh, you really have a problem if you're gambling on the election. But then it's like, that's actually better than gambling on sports. It's like something that in theory matters. It doesn't really matter, but whatever. Yeah. But, so uh, if someone asks me offline, I'll tell you who to bet on. But um, like I pitched for a review, I think a year ago, which at the time I said was the best show on television. I believe it was around Christmas because I was home and we were doing the podcast and I was in my uh, my uh, mother and father-in-law's basement when we did this. Yeah, that's the best place to be talking podcasting is your is your in-laws basement. So right now I'm going to say reviews off the air. You know, it may not ever come back. Who knows? It hasn't been renewed yet. Right now, the best show on television. And again, I don't watch every show, but as far as I'm concerned, the best show on television is all like we do a drum roll. Yeah, do a drum roll. Sure. Nathan for you. Wow. <laughs> yeah, to me, they've had three episodes. It was already one of my favorite shows, but they've had three episodes this season and everyone has been better than the next. They had, uh, you know, the first episode here. I don't want to say too much because everyone should watch them. I'm not going to offer money like I did last time. Yeah, no dollar and 14 cents. No dollar, but you should definitely watch them because I guarantee you'll like them. And if you don't like them again, there's something wrong with you, not the show. And I've seen the show before and I wanted to get into the uh, third season. You know, there was uh, maybe it was uh, Saturday night. I was unexpectedly uh, down after watching uh, one of these Mets games. But on the West Coast, like the game was over it was like 830. I'm like, well, now what do I do? Oh, that's awful. That's really that's <laughs> actually terrible as a sports fan because at least i was able to like oh, i'll just go to sleep and hopefully i'll wake up and they will have won yeah well i was like well what should i watch and i was trying to find something on hulu and i really wanted to watch the new episodes of nathan for you but i found that they were not on hulu yet and they were not on demand on comedy central and so i felt like that there was no way for me to be watching these uh season three nathan for you episodes i think if you use your cable provider sign in login whatever Mm-hmm. and watch them on the Comedy Central website. Okay. All right, I'll look into that. But uh, anyway, so yeah, I don't want to say too much just because they're so good, but the last episode, the the level it goes to was so above and beyond. I mean, the, the amount of people they fooled. There's one episode every season where, it, you know, they do something and nobody realizes that like a whole group of people got had or like that it's up, it's them, like the dumb Starbucks in season two where he opened up a Starbucks. Wait, can you, for people who don't even know what you're talking about, can you just really quickly set up the premise of the show? Sure. Um, oh, it, it, that, so help me out here because it is a little complicated. But I'll start with the first one because it's, it's that sort of symbol. It's like he, the Nathan Fielder is a Canadian comedian who jokingly calls himself a business, business expert. And he basically goes to struggling businesses in the L.A. area, which is really, I think you'll admit, People who just really want to be on television mm -hmm. and and basically gives them goofy ideas to help improve their business. I think that's basically what it is. It's a it's a reality. Wikipedia calls it a docu reality comedy show, which is in reality like it's, it's not a scripted show, but it you know, and they do it kind of documentary style. But um, there is definitely a writer's room. They are trying to set up sort of jokes even. But the people are play, I don't know if they're playing along, but they're they're not actors They're I mean, they're kind of everyone probably if you Google them is a wannabe actor, mm -hmm. but it's, you know, it's just people who are coming along for the ride. So in the first, in the, in the pilot, he goes to a frozen yogurt shop that's having trouble with customers. 
and he makes like poop flavored ice cream for them. Like little things like that. Because people would be curious to come in and try it. Everybody's going to want to come into this place and see what that's all about. Well, he's not a great business expert, but, <laughs> you know, it's still a funny idea. Often his ideas are somewhat short-sighted. Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't have to deal with the aftermath of the ideas. And the other one in the pilot was he um, sent out signs that this pizza store was uh, giving a, a free pie. But he didn't tell them that the pie was like... Uh, like a half a centimeter. Well, I think wide. it was a half pie if your order was late, I think. And then oh, right. like, if it wasn't, if it wasn't there in 30 minutes, you got your pizza, you got a free pie in addition, or your pie was free, mm-hmm. but it was right. It was this tiny, ridiculous pie. Yeah. It was like the size of a quarter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and now he's really been able to like up the ante. Uh, you know, he made like a, a giant funeral for, I forget what animal it was. It was like a goldfish or, or a cricket or, I I don't know what the animal was like. Just he does completely insane things. He opened up a pretend Starbucks. He called it dumb Starbucks. And without anybody knowing it's from the television show by the first weekend in L.A., the the line was like six hours long. So he just does like things that like almost accidentally go viral. Also, it's sort of hard to uh, explain the tone of the show without seeing it. But I couldn't recommend it more highly. And I think also you should probably start with this season. It's not like you need to. Yeah, you can jump right in. Yeah, so I, but this season's the best, so I would start with this season. All right, there you go. All right, Akiva, you ready to jump into the dinner party? Let's do it. All right, so the dinner party, I thought this was very interesting just looking at the calendar of when these episodes came out. This is from February 3rd, 1994. So last week's episode that we talked about, The Stall, that aired on January 6th, 1994. Then a month of no Seinfeld, and then the dinner party. Yeah, that is a little strange. One episode new. And then they take four weeks off and they come back February 3rd, 1994. Right. And it's not like you could say, oh, they're burying it because 35 million people watch this episode, you know? Yeah. It is hard. You know, we don't, I think both of us don't really watch a lot of shows that have the traditional like 22 episodes a season on a, on a network show. I don't think I watch any network shows right now like that, right? Mm-hmm. That have, you know, would ostensibly have reruns and, and things like that. But when we did, and we used to watch many shows like that, you know, there's like 36 weeks and there's only 22 episodes. Plus Seinfeld frequently does a double like they do this year. So you got, you know, there's going to be reruns. It's not fun, but it, you know, you can't just have like Christmas, you know, New Year's week as reruns. So it is a weird thing to just slot one episode in. What's also weird is that this episode was filmed after the Marine Biologist, but they aired it first, which always leads me to believe like I always think like they put the better ones first. So they think ah, the Marine Biologist is a dud, but the dinner party, that's really going to hit a big. Okay, well, we'll see. I think history remembers the marine biologist more fondly, but we'll talk about that next week. Yeah. So here we go. We start off with Jerry doing his stand-up, and he's talking a lot about how he kind of wishes that they never put a man on the moon because then anything else that goes wrong in life, people are saying, oh, they could put a man on the moon, but you can't get a decent cup of coffee around here. It's a very good life philosophy also. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think if like, because if you buy your wife like an unbelievable present one year, she's going to be comparing it to that present for the rest of her life. Hmm. You know, that's going to be your man on the moon. Or if you do something great for her, you know, you drive two hours because she's pregnant and she's craving like a certain Mexican restaurant. I don't know. You know, so, so it, if you set the bar that high, you know, it, it's essentially your moon landing and you're never going to be able to repeat it. So your advice to people is don't ever you know, shoot that high because then if you hit the mark, you'll be expected to deliver at that mark 
over and over again. Yeah, because what are you going to do the next year if you buy some like, you know, ridiculous uh, birthday present? Right. You can't come back with flowers the next year. That's not going to work. Basically, you should be worrying about hitting singles and doubles. Don't go for the home run. It's a great point. Yeah, Jerry has a great line at the end of this that he says that what Neil Armstrong should have said is that's one small step for man, one giant leap for every complaining SOB on the face of the earth. It's pretty good. I do like it's like 25 years after the moon landing and it's still like, you know, something that people think about and it's like semi-fresh in their minds. Whereas now it's like, oh, whatever. Did that happen? Like, I don't know. Yeah, nobody's really saying like, hey, well, they could put a, a rover on Mars, but they can't seem to get my Wi-Fi working right. <laughs> it is true. Like the things that are like, because I'm sure like people saw that in 1969 were thing like, oh, now like by 2015, we're going to be on like all nine planets. And, you know, I feel like we've regressed in terms of, uh, you know, like sort of uh, space technology. What's our most impressive technological feat at this point? I kind of feel like before... The moon landing, I feel like people would say like, oh, they could split an atom, but they can't do blah, blah, blah. What is the modern day equivalent? It's a really good question. Uh. I feel like it's sort of it always comes back to like the phone. It's like we can like make a computer that fits in our hand, but we can't blah, blah, blah. Right. Well, so the question is basically if you had someone from like the 1960s come to 2015, what would blow their mind the most? Right. I think just the general idea of the Internet, probably. Yeah. Right. And and probably the fact that you have a phone in your, like you said, the phone in your pocket that has this internet on it. Like that's, I mean, that's like, even if you think about it now, it's like amazing. Right. Uh, you know, it was un- unthinkable 15 years ago. It's almost like, okay, yeah, you can talk to any person in the world or we could look at a picture or of, you know, any movie or any single thing that you could want to see or find out about, like you can get it in like a second. I think just like YouTube would have like exploded somebody's mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and uh, get into the episode. Uh, Jerry and Elaine, they're in the apartment and Elaine is complaining that she got happy new year recently. And again, this episode airs in the beginning of February. So Elaine just got happy new year. Jerry's complaining. He actually got happy new year in March. Uh, one of my highlights of listening to uh, Mike Francesa and the former Mike and the Mad Dog show is that people do call up like February 10th and say Happy New Year to Mike if it's the first time they're speaking to him. Wow. And he, he has like, and he's very, for people who don't know who he is, he's like the least friendly person in the whole world. Is that fair to say? <laughs> it's up there. And so like, he, he's not like, he doesn't just brush it off. He has like this disdain for this voice of like, oh my God, this guy's going to be an idiot. Because no one has less respect for their, for like their callers than he does. Yeah. You know? So uh, happy new year, February 10th. That happens every year. Jerry says it's pathetic that people do this. Did that make you like these characters less? N- no, because I've never said happy new year to somebody in my life. <laughs> wow. I mean, I guess if I walked in January 1st or 2nd, I'm not a happy new year kind of guy mm-hmm. because I celebrate the Jewish new year. Also, it's like not that I don't celebrate this new year, it's but it's luster not- off it a little bit. It's like I just had a new year a couple months ago. It's not like and I don't say happy new year about that one either. It's just I'm not a happy anything like I mean, I like no happy new years. I'll give you a happy birthday. I feel like that's a that's as good as I'll, I'll give somebody. All right. Well, what, but what's the latest? What's the latest day you think to say happy new year? I think it depends if you've seen somebody. I really feel like after the if you haven't seen them at all, first week in January, I think uh, like once you get past like you know January seventh, I think that's probably. And I think that really by the time you get to double digits in January, I think that's it. Yeah, I think the tenth is the cutoff. I agree. Okay, so 
they're talking about how it's cold outside. It's scary cold. And really, the, the weather is not often too much of a factor on Seinfeld, but it's very, very cold. It's scary cold. How scary is it George walks in with the Gore-Tex jacket? Yeah, I mean, he's like 400 pounds in this jacket. <laughs> and they're so impressed with this Gore-Tex jacket. Uh, George says his father got a deal from a friend of his. So basically, like the Frank Costanza version of Bob Sacamano. And maybe, is this a Christmas present? Yeah, it's a good, I mean, well, he doesn't, uh, Frank doesn't celebrate Christmas. So <laughs> it's it, a festivist present. Is it, a, it could be a festivist present. It also like at the end makes it so crazy because Frank gave him this like nice new coat. The fact that he's like so willing to give it up instead of just giving the guy money for the uh, broken wine bottles or paying for it himself. Mm-hmm. Cause Frank's going to lose his mind when he finds out about this. Yeah. I mean, do they celebrate Christmas in uh, Latvian Orthodox? So we again, we didn't learn enough about Latvian Orthodox. I feel like is George. First of all, is, is George still Latvian Orthodox? <laughs> I believe so. I mean, most religions, like once you convert, there's no way out of them. Yeah. You could stop following them, but you're not. You know, you're still officially Latvian Orthodox. Maybe he needs to do some sort of like Latvian Orthodox tell-all, like Leah Remini. Oh boy. Is there who's like who's the Katie Holmes of Latvian Orthodoxy? <laughs> Sister was it Margaret? Yeah, but I don't even know if she joined the team. She, she, you know, she was sort of going with Kramer. I don't. We don't know how that ended. <laughs> so George keeps talking about Gore-Tex, and they're sort of like Elaine is like and Jerry are like hitting him because they say he can't even feel it, and he gets annoyed. Knock it off! And so they're all going to go to a party, and they need to bring something to the party. Keith, I feel like this is something that probably gets under your skin. I, I feel like the opposite way it gets on them. I don't drink wine at all. Mm-hmm. So anybody who comes and, you know, we invite them for a meal or something, any gift anybody ever brings is a bottle of wine, which to me, it's like, oh, you brought my wife a gift. That's nice. What do you get? What do you bring me? Mm-hmm. You know, I would want a babka. I would want not that I like babka, but like at least it would be the thought that counted or some sort of some sort of like uh, something from the bakery. Basically, I'd be fine with. So is it just you don't like how it tastes or you don't like to drink any alcohol? Oh, no, I just hate the I, I feel like I just had a couple bad experiences with wine mm-hmm. when I was like a teenager. So yeah. I, I, I can't I just really hate like I'll drink beer. I just can't stand wine. OK. And so that they're talking about that they have to bring something uh, to this dinner party. George doesn't understand. I mean, uh, that George is a grown man. This comes as quite a shock to him, I feel like, that he has to bring something to this dinner. Maybe he doesn't get invited to a lot of parties. I mean, I, I do sort of understand. It is sort of like a weird part of society where like they're doing something nice for you. So you have to bring them a wine, a bottle of wine. And like, then you're going to invite them back to your party and then they have to bring you a bottle of wine. Why don't you just repay their favor by, you know, inviting them back to a different party? It doesn't really make sense. You have to bring something. Sometimes we'll get like a lunch invite, but they'll be like, Hey, make a dessert or like make a salad. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, why don't you know, you make a hundred percent of your stuff now and we'll have you back in a few months or we won't, whatever. And, you know, and we'll we'll make everything then. But I almost feel like George isn't necessarily saying that he doesn't want to bring something. It's almost as if he does not understand that this is a thing that people do. Like he's sort of like, so you're telling me they're not just going to be happy to see me. I have to bring them something also. Right. I mean, he's kind of doing a bit, but you're right. He does sound like shocked. Like this is the only, you know, and. (laughs) And Elaine does sort of say, like, you know, because we're adults, like, George, are you unaware of this concept? Jerry has a good line, too. He just says to him, like, with, like, disdain, he says, you know, the fabric of society is very complicated. (laughs) It is true also, like, what George is saying is true. Like, everyone at that table probably likes ring dings better than babka. 
And a lot of people probably would rather Pepsi than wine. I would disagree. I think I would rather have the chocolate vodka than the ring dings. I mean that it, the ring ding is like the, you know, really crappy version of chocolate. That's true. But whatever, whatever the best thing at like the CVS is. Right. I think you would rather have the bakery chocolate cake over the hostess chocolate cake. What about Entenmann's? <laughs> really would depend on what it is. Some of that Entenmann's stuff is real good. Yeah. I mean, it's not like that they're bringing, you know, uh, something like really bougie instead of ring dings. It's like they're bringing like a better version of what a ring ding is. I mean, my, before we got married, my wife said that she's like, you know, we're going to have like a traditional nice wedding, but we could save all this money and order just like really good, you know, Chinese food, like takeout style Chinese food. And everyone would eat way more and they'd be probably happier than, you know, than the, you know, would you like the, the, the meat or the fish or whatever? At the dinner. Sure. But you can't do that because society doesn't let you. Somebody should do that. I mean, I guess the older you get, maybe if you when you get married, you you sort of are less worried about conforming to like wedding norms or if uh, or if you have like a second wedding. Good like second friends, marriage. Yeah. Second marriage. It's out. The rules are out the window. Second marriage is great. The thing is, it's got to be second marriage for both people because. Yeah, it, that's, it, I was thinking because. If it's especially if it's a guy's second marriage, right. And the lady's first marriage it doesn't matter. It's a first wedding it's for, first you know, marriage it, for her. You're going through everything again, buddy. But if it's sort of like it's a second marriage, you've both been through it before. And even if like you're, it's a first marriage for the, for the guy, probably uh, if if he's like many, uh, many, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I feel like um, I think it's a lot of times it's the woman who's driving that bus of, you know, big first wedding not always i'm sure there's exceptions to the rule but i think that a lot of times that's the case i also think that with the second wedding or the first wedding when you're older there's a much higher chance that you are paying for the wedding you know whereas when you get married like i did mm-hmm. when you're 20 you know your parents you know what am i i'm not paying for the wedding like my parents are paying for the wedding you know wow so that's a good deal if you can get it yeah sure if i was paying for the wedding trust me there would have been chinese food you know <laughs> Yeah. But my, my parents are paying and they're paying and they want to have, you know, they want their friends to not have to eat Chinese food. The older you get and the more weddings you've had, for, yeah. you know, wedding number two, it's Chinese food is the way to go or whatever or whatever food you like. Well, I'm looking forward to some fun uh, second weddings uh, coming up in the next. Oh, really? Do you have a lot of divorced friends? No, I don't really have any friends, but I feel like if I had a friend who was getting married a second time, I'd say, oh, okay, a second what wedding crasher. Like what's what's going on? How do you well, know? I would really, and then I think I would probably guilt them if I was like, "Really, this is a, a big to do for a second wedding, right? You don't want to just like get Chinese food? Think about it." And also, then it's like your present has to be bigger. If it's like Chinese food, the problem is because you're spending less. I feel like people are far less obligated to give you like a really good wedding gift. Yeah, the, and that's another bonus when your parent pays for the wedding, you still get the gifts. Mm. So you know they're paying for the nice wedding, you're getting the nice wedding wedding gifts. Yeah, you know it's really a win-win. Yeah, except you don't get to eat the Chinese food. Yeah, not to go too far down the road. I think that like when you know it's the young person getting married, it's like you want to sort of like send them off to like uh, start their life together and sort of like uh, you know that's that's sort of like the idea. With the second wedding, I think it's just more like uh, these are your friends. This is a party. Totally. And you know what you want in life. You know you sort of like know like I wouldn't have had the guts to do that when I was twenty, but now I don't care what people think. I I have a second wedding. I'm not going to this weekend in Columbus, Ohio. And you couldn't get me to Columbus, Ohio if it was my wedding. <laughs> With all due respect to our listeners in Columbus, Ohio. I mean, yeah, no, for sure. Columbus is great. I'm sure I'm sure the girl you're marrying is wonderful. But I'm, I'm not going there. I mean, again, don't be don't be offended. Like, I don't go anywhere. You yeah. know, you, if you listen to the podcast, you know that. So. <laughs> 
George doesn't even drink wine. He drinks Pepsi. Yeah, you know, a weird thing about George is he seems to have no interest in alcohol, right? Mm, yeah, that's a little bit weird. I feel like uh, it's also that he seems so loyal to Pepsi. He doesn't say, I don't drink wine, I drink soda. And I feel like that it, you would say any soda brand. I feel like you would say, I don't drink wine, I, I just drink Coke. But I feel like that it's weird that George is a Pepsi man. Right. Most people who have like incredible brand loyalty, like I'll drink Pepsi if it's in front of me. Mm-hmm. Although the, I, I, you know, I try not to drink calories. The Coke Zero is so much better than the Pepsi Max. It's almost crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's no bigger difference between products. Like the Hunt's ketchup is closer to Heinz than, than Pepsi Max is to Coke Zero. I feel like there's very few people with the Pepsi brand loyalty. I feel like that's a very odd thing. My friend is obsessed with Coke. Yeah. And he claims that if he drinks Pepsi, he'll throw up immediately. Oh, come on. Like it's a black and white cookie or something. <laughs> so Jerry says, you know, we really can't go there and put a plastic jug of Pepsi on the table. I mean, why not? They, like this doesn't look like the fanciest party. They threw a box at her face and left. Like, let's not go too crazy with how fancy it was. If you had some of those like 2015, like Marty McFly, uh, futuristic Pepsi bottles, I think you'd be a big hit at a party. Totally. Sold out immediately, I think. Then you wouldn't be able to get it from the store. You'd have to wait online. You'd have to get the cinnamon Pepsi. (laughs) All right. So they end up, they're going to all drive there. There's some weird stuff going on here. So Kramer's driving the car. George is in shotgun. Jerry and Elaine are in the back seat, and they're talking about how cold it is in the back seat. And it's almost like they're sort of like uh, getting a little like handsy in the back seat. Yeah, Jer- Jerry's getting a little fresh. Yeah, she's like, "Hey, Elaine, warm me up." <laughs> really, Jerry has been a little predatory between this and the forcing himself on the massage a few weeks ago. Yeah, cool it, Jerry. <laughs> There's a point where uh, Jerry also calls George Bubble Boy uh, in the car, making fun of his jacket. Yeah, a lot of like callbacks or call forwards in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so uh, then. They're going to have to decide who's going to go into the store, who's going to go into uh, the bakery, because they're going to have to also bring a cake. George would prefer to just get some ring dings. He thinks that would be a big hit at the party. Yeah. And by the way, you could bring ring dings and the cake. I don't see the problem with that. Yeah. Does the liquor store necessarily sell ring dings? It doesn't look like a store that sells ring dings, right? It's a, most liquor stores are pretty serious about their alcohol. I feel like it's not like a blockbuster where it's like, hey, there's candy in the front when you go to check out. Yeah. The ring ding to me is, and I probably have to ask my wife, she'd be like a better expert in this. I feel like there's like three or four different things that are like the same exact formula of this chocolate cake with sort of this cream on the inside between ring dings, ho-ho, yodels. It's all like, it's like Mexican food. It's all the same stuff. What's a ding dong? <laughs> yeah. Is a ding dong a thing? I think it's like knockoff ring ding, maybe. <laughs> it might be. But it's all I, like... I, it, we, for $100, I would not eat a ring ding. Yeah, I think there are ding dongs, which appears to be like the uh, the hostess version of the ring ding. Well, who's who's the ring ding? I think it's made by Drake's. I think that's oh. the uh, the Drake's coffee cake of yeah, uh, of ding dong. Clearly, you love the Drake, but I, I I don't don't really tolerate the Drake here. Yeah, now I don't like any of this stuff, but this is like the kind of thing that my wife will say, like, uh, oh, pick me up something at the store. Like, okay, what do you want? Like, uh, get me uh, uh, you know yodels. Is a yodels very similar to a ring ding, right? Yeah, it's not. You know, I can't even remember. It's not. It's not yodel. It's like one of those other things that I can't remember the one that she makes me uh, get for her. You know, it's like because I don't eat chocolate, I feel like so left out of this. Yeah, no, it's not it's like me on Christmas. Everyone else is like knows what's going on. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> it's just like this. It's like this. Like uh, 
you know, crappy chocolate cake with like Twinkie filling. The thing about that, like you could have a ring ding in a box for 10 years, take it out. It would taste the exact same. Yeah. I think there's so. so much junk in there like that. It would never go bad, which is not a good sign. Not a good sign either. Okay. I think uh, maybe Ho-Ho's, is that it? Or basically all like, you know, some sort of like chocolate cupcake type thing with icing on the inside. You know what's the best thing? Like when you're checking out of the supermarket, that's like incredible. There's, you know, 80 grams of fat in one. And there's like, you know, it's like three serving sizes. So it's like 240 grams of fat. The apple pies, like the, I don't know if it's like Mott's or Drake's or you ever have those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The cherry pies. Yeah. Those are the best things in the world. You'll die if you eat like seven of them. But I feel like, you know, I, every time I eat them, I'm like, oh, I should eat this every day. And then I don't think about it for another decade. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, like those things we'd get like when I was like in like elementary school, you'd get like one of those like in your lunch. Like people that just didn't know about like, oh, this is like 30,000 calories. I would transfer it to your school, Rob. <laughs> we didn't have any of that. We had like I don't think some it was lady just... like slopped down some disgusting chicken on our plate. No, like, I think that it was like for, like my mom would put something like that in the... Oh, you're, oh it wasn't a school lunch. Your mom would send you... Right. Oh, that's... Oh, what a mom. If she sent you one of those every day. First of all, it's a miracle you're not 400 pounds. But that's pretty good. Yeah, I don't know. I, it doesn't seem like it happened that often, but, uh, you know, always good. Anyway, you do a lot of the food trading because my mom would send me like a couple snacks and then I would like trade because some kids moms didn't let them have the good snacks. Yeah. So I'd like trade, you know, like ridiculous, like favors at school. Like uh, you have to like let me pick the basketball team at recess and I'll give you this bag of pretzels. I'm not surprised to hear that you were a wheeler and dealer in terms of trading, but no, I don't think I ever pulled off any snack trade. I was like the Lucas Hayes of, of the uh, of the snack game. <laughs> it's a deep cut joke. <laughs> Literally just Rob and I got that. <laughs> anyway, so Elaine is going to end up going to the bakery with Jerry. Kramer and George are going to go get the wine. So here's Jerry and Elaine. They're in the bakery and Here's my big pet peeve with this episode, and it's going to start here. What's the timeline for this episode, Akiva? What day of the week is it? What time of day is it? All right, so I'm going to say it's a weekday. It's a weekday. Because Elaine had to get back to work at a certain point, right? So this is what you think it's like. This is like five o'clock at night. Hmm. I think weekday dinner party. I'll tell you why it's complicated. Uh, Elaine didn't have to get back to work. I don't know what I'm saying. But I, I, why it's complicated is it's basically day. Until they go out time and it's night and there's no sort of like indication that it's getting late or anything. So, you know what I mean? We have no idea what time it is. Like it couldn't be the it can't be the middle of the day. Like how could the bakery be packed at two o'clock on a weekday? Right. That would be nuts. There's no way it's a weekday. Oh, you don't think it's a weekday altogether. I think it's like it's a dinner party. I think it's going to be like it's a Sunday. I think it's maybe around like two o'clock when they're hitting the bakery. And then maybe it's like, you know, dark by like five, six o'clock. I think that's the only way this makes sense. Yeah, we don't have a lot of hints into when it is. What if it's a Friday? What if it was a weekday? And now it's so like the day's starting later. No, I guess the problem is it's the winter, right? So no way the bakery traffic is that crazy middle of the day. Friday. Right. And it's getting dark before five o'clock because it's February. Yeah. Right. And, and they say in even in the episode, it's February and obviously it's freezing. It's the winter. So now I'm I'm like sort of leaning towards your right where it's at, at the very least it's much earlier and maybe it is a weekend also. Yeah, I think it's either got to be a Saturday or a Sunday. No way they're having a weeknight dinner party. And then at what point is the bakery sort of crowded? And then is the liquor store open on a Sunday? I mean, it's not there's no like blue laws. I feel like the liquor store can like when are you buying alcohol? I feel like you're buying it on the weekend, no? 
Mm, I guess so. That's Manhattan also. It's a city that never sleeps, Rob. <laughs> I'd have to go back and try to remember the uh, sort of like uh, New York State uh, alcohol laws. Maybe it's not open until a certain time of day on Sunday. Maybe not open I think until it's like, like 9 a.m. though. Yeah. So And, and it closes maybe a minute. Uh, again, this is a very, like, to me, this is near the top of the list to ask Jerry. When <laughs> Jerry, in the dinner party, do you know what kind of time of day it was and what day of the week it was? Tuesday or Saturday? Yeah, the bakery seems like it's very busy, but it has to be like later in the day because it ends up getting dark in the episode and then they're going there. Everybody seems like they're around. So they get to the bakery and Jerry and Elaine don't realize they have to take a number in this bakery. Yeah. And then they blame it on other people. I mean, this is really not their best moment here. Yeah. And we also see in this scene in the beginning of them getting to the bakery, Jerry talks about the black and the white cookie and he talks about how the black and white cookie is the model to which uh, we should look to in terms of race relations. Look to the cookie. Yeah, and I feel like he does a decent job here of not saying anything that 25 years later looks really bad, no? <laughs> I, I don't know. To me, the black and white cookie, uh, is that not like uh, some sort of like uh, apartheid of baked goods? I mean, it oh, seems boy. like <laughs> that, hey, <laughs> vanilla over here, chocolate over here. Wouldn't the most the 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 most uh you know equitable and fair cookie be some sort of either swirl or sort of like blended of the flavors together like a yin yang not even like a yin yang because i feel like there's a very straight like okay oh so it's like all spotted like white and black I, I think you're really making a good point not just about cookies about race relations in general i feel like uh it's a good point right seems very segregated that was great for like the 1930s to just like everyone be cool with each other yeah you know we actually like want to be together not separate and equal right so. let's mix start mixing up some of those flavors let's, let's just not have okay vanilla oh, you get People over here they were coming here for this podcast rob to listen to you know us talk about uh you know babka but really we're we're giving them we're giving them the truth here that's right anyway so uh, elaine talks about you're gonna i'm gonna look forward to you being senile uh, when I don't really know why she's getting into that. I guess I guess uh, he's just saying stuff that's so uh, crazy. But anyway, Elaine says, uh, oh, we didn't take a number. Why don't we ask those people for the number? Because we were here first. Akiva, would you not get shot asking somebody for their bakery number? Especially in 1994, where like the fear that they have of like walking around the city is very palpable as opposed to now where it's like much safer. Right. Right. Like it is dangerous to do that. Like that's the. Elaine is so entitled. I, I know we hear, I think, once about a sibling. This is like, I grew up an only child, very wealthy, and I get whatever I want. So I'm going to ask you for your number at the bakery. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's crazy. It's the craziest thing she ever does in the series. Right. And if it was like, okay, they had a number, and it's like, we were here first with that number. Okay, what number do you have? Okay, I have one number behind you. Okay, fine. Whatever. Let me just get out of this awkward situation. But they end up getting into this big, uh, you know, argument over it. And we'll talk about it more. But then it turns out that they know each other. It's, it's a weird thing. Uh, but we'll come back to that because uh, we end up seeing the first shot of Kramer and George. Uh, they're looking for a parking space and they can't double park. Now, again, this is the thing about the Sunday. I feel like the parking situation should be better on a Sunday or am I off a base on that? In theory, you're right, but it's, it's never, it's never decent in Manhattan. You can never find a spot. Okay. Cause Sunday is just the day before alternate side, Monday, Thursday parking. So can't really answer it. If, if they had to move their car, then you could know that it's a weekday, but you don't really learn anything about that from here. I do also like the split squad that like 
Jerry's with Elaine and Kramer's with George. And, you know, we haven't had too many examples where it's been two here and two there the entire time. I like that they're, you know, mixing up the, you know, the uh, pairs here. So then Kramer is very adamant against, I can't double park. I don't want to get a ticket. Now, this seems to not be Seinfeld canon because I think we've established that Kramer was he was like the great white whale that he had more traffic violations than anybody else. Yeah, but at this point, has he had so many that he's getting like five years in jail with his next ticket? Yeah. Or has that not happened yet? I think we have had the parking tickets. I don't know. It all blends together at this point. It does all blend together. But Kramer has many, many traffic citations. Yeah, that is definitely canon. Okay. No, no, no. It it hasn't happened yet. It has not happened yet. But it's next season. But yeah, the idea is that, you know, Maybe he's trying to, you know, to stop because he knows he's out of control. Maybe this was a New Year's resolution. Ooh, that's not bad. But it's February. <laughs> who's still who's still worrying about their New Year's re- resolution? <laughs> okay, so George is going to go into the store, and then actually, then it, they work out that they're going to end up seeing a parking space. Okay, so Jerry and Elaine are arguing uh, with this couple. The guy is Francis from uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Do you ever see that movie? Oh God, no. no. Okay, and then as they're arguing, they're like, "Hold on a second, are you Barbara Benedict?" And they say, "Are you?" And now all of a sudden. It's not like I feel like I know you from somewhere. It's all of a sudden like they not only they know everybody, they know all the names and, you know, this all comes together. I find this to be extremely far fetched. Right. You go from that. Like if they had just seen the back of their heads, fine. But you go from like talking to this person and having no clue they are to. Oh, yeah, we were just at a uh, baby shower together. Yeah. Yeah. So they met at the baby shower. Oh, they're on their way right there. And not only that, the Jerry and Francis from uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure know each other. Yeah, they know each other's names, yeah. Yeah, like, oh, you're Jerry, right. Oh, you're David. And so now it's like, ha, 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 ha. Now, Akiva, once we yeah. get to the point like, oh, that was so silly that we were arguing. Why can't Jerry and Elaine just ask this couple to take their order? Hey, we're all going to the same party. You guys have a line. Could you just also grab uh, this cake for us? So here's what I think, because obviously everyone thinks that. But then if they had done it like a normal person at first, like, hey, I'll give you, you know, our thing won't cost ten dollars. I'll give you a 20. You know, if you want, give me back the change. I'm just going to be late. So just, you know, you order me an extra babka. Right. Okay. so I don't have to stay online. I think that's a normal thing to do. It doesn't really affect anybody. You know, no one's going to catch you. That's that's fine. Now that they've had this fight, I don't. I think that supersedes the fact that they have this mutual friend and they're going to the same party. I feel like it would be awkward to ask Barbara for a favor. But we've learned who the jerk was, because if she says no, I feel like that's pretty bad. But I feel like that it's like, oh, you know, I would have never asked. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, I feel like you have an in here to sort of move on from the awkwardness. And now it's a funny story. Yeah, Elaine should have asked. And maybe Barbara says no, but you're right. She should ask here. Yeah. They call the number, number 47, and so they end up saying that we're going to get there first, and we're going to tell them, you know, what what jerks you are. And then the woman tells the, the person in the bakery, I'll have the chocolate babka. And the person in the bakery says, you're lucky, Mrs. Benedict. It's the last one. How does she know her name? Yeah, I have this in ca- all caps, and I only do that every few episodes. So insane. I mean, you have to go to a bakery 50 times a day. And it's one thing if you go to like the tailor. And when you go to the tailor, right, you're the only person in the tailor usually. Take your name. Yeah, sure. This is a bakery that needs a number system because it's so busy in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. The idea that she would know her unless it's like her cousin or something. The idea that she would know her name is impossible. 
well, what if she recently had like a birthday cake made and she had to like put her and it name. said happy birthday, Mrs. Benedict. Well, maybe it? she took the order. Maybe she goes there frequently. I, I think it's possible. But and also nobody would ever say somebody's like last name unless they really knew them. Because who knows if the woman goes by her maiden name or her husband's name. Like you might say like Barbara. Yeah. Barbara. Hey, how are you? Like it's yeah. This seems very odd that she's not even like, hey, how are you? Like, oh, you got the last one, Mrs. Benedict. Oh, that's crazy. I mean, what what an error by the writers here. <laughs> we'll bring that up if we talk. Who wrote this episode? <laughs> Larry David. Larry David. Okay, we'll save that for the LD uh, exclusive interview. All right. So uh, George and Kramer in the liquor store, they're trying to uh, find the bottle of wine. Uh, Kramer seems to be a real wine connoisseur. He wants to uh, get one, a, uh, what does he call it? A, uh, a Mouton Cadet? Again, it's a, just like the chocolate. I don't know any of this stuff because I don't drink wine. Yeah, I don't know anything. And so George has to pay for the wine because Kramer doesn't carry a wallet or money. <laughs> uh, George does a great job here. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, George says, uh, like, uh, like, so you don't carry money around? And he says, uh, how do you do this? Oh, I get by. Which I really like that. I mean, George basically melts him with his eyes here. He's so mad at having to spend this money. He's so mad. Now, this is what? A uh, $12 bottle of wine? Yeah. And this is like, George's like, what? I'd spend $12 on the bottle of wine? I mean, isn't George being kind of a baby here? $12 for the bottle of wine, even in 1994? Yeah, let's say that's $20-something dollars now. Like, you're going to a dinner party. They're serving you dinner. Mm-hmm. You know, you would have had to pay for dinner otherwise. Like, and in theory, you're it's being split four ways, or at least two. You know, because they're they're taking care of the babka thing. But you know, George's cheapness. Like he now he's just stewing that he wishes he had gone to the bakery because he could have. Uh, I feel like things would have gone much differently with George in the bakery. Also, yeah, well, especially when we get to when there's a hair on the babka, we'll talk. We'll talk oh, about yeah. that. <laughs> but anyway, the, George is like, oh, I bet they're not spending $12 at the bakery. I mean, what do they spend? $6 at the bakery? $8 at the bakery? He's being a real cheapskate here over the $12. Yeah, it's a Manhattan bakery. It's not It's not that yeah, cheap. Take it easy, George. So uh, we see uh, Jerry and Elaine now. They got the last chocolate babka. They got to think about what to do. They have some options. What about a carrot cake? What about Black Forest? <laughs> he says, ooh, <laughs> it's too scary, Jerry says. Like, oh, we're already in the forest. Now it's too dark. Jerry suggests a Napoleon cake. Elaine doesn't like that. He was too much of a dictator. Lots of dictator talk in this episode. Yeah, they're really setting up the uh, Saddam Hussein appearance. <laughs> All right. What about the cinnamon babka? The lesser babka. The lesser babka. No, Jerry says it is not a lesser babka. Every time you eat something delicious, you say to somebody, what's in this? The answer, Jerry says, is invariably cinnamon. Is that true, Akiva? I Maybe back then, I feel like cinnamon was having a, a period. Like uh, cinnamon was hot like pesto was back then. And now nobody's talking about cinnamon or pesto. <laughs> it was the Seattle of spices. It was the Seattle of spices. <laughs> they don't even have a team anymore. Jerry says that people should put cinnamon on tables as a condiment. I was actually thinking tonight. That like mayo should be on tables. Mayo should be on tables. I think, well, I think you need to refrigerate it. Yeah, I think you do. I think that's really the... I think you do because, yeah, I, I, I tonight uh, I was I was eating my daughter's uh, French fries. Mm-hmm. We were at a restaurant and like she didn't finish any. She, she ate one and there was like a giant thing. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to eat them. And I was like, I didn't like the ketchup because like I always talk about, they didn't have the high end. So it was disgusting. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, there's mayo on the table. Like they had packets. It was like a couple mayo packets. So I like, I, you know, I ripped them open. I poured it. I wasn't really looking. And it was mustard, not mayonnaise. Oh, no. <laughs> mustard and French fries. It, it really like ruined my night. Not even like Dijonese. That was like, it was, it was, I mean, first of all, the packet mustards are always gross. It's 
you want the mustard. The the Heinz in the packet is fine that you'd get at like a chain restaurant, but mm-hmm. the, you, mustard you want out of the container. No, I don't think I've had too many mustard packets. No, it was bad times. Yeah. <laughs> ruined all, no more fries after that. It ruined the fries for me. All right. Now, maybe this Akiva could be the biggest plot hole in the entire episode. We're we're saying other than the whole Saddam Hussein thing, right? That's a separate <laughs> no. This is this is bigger than Saddam Hussein. Oh boy, Jerry and Lane uh, get to the counter. The clerk asks for number forty nine. Yeah, the other people they fought with were number forty seven. This was you're, two people. You're saying who cares? It was two spots. It well, first of all, there was no way it was two spots because that so many people were grabbing tickets in between. Jerry and Elaine, when they realized like the bakery was so crowded that to go from 47 to 49 would have been like three minutes difference because 47, they bought the Bobka. There would only been one person in between them. Or this isn't like the doctor's office where someone beats you by a minute and you lose a half hour. Like this right. is, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and they're, t- <laughs> they're debating this whole, this whole thing. And it was one spot in the bakery line. But they didn't know that they had 47. They probably assumed they had like 42. Jerry and Elaine never even grabbed a ticket until later. It is a pro- Maybe they also forgot, but they didn't want to tell them. Yeah. <laughs> maybe somebody left and they picked up their 49 off the, uh, the ground. I don't think it works like that. That's like the golden, you know, like that people dream about that happening, but I'm not sure it's ever happened in one of these places. I'm sure it's happened someplace where it's like, like you find someone hey, like, hey, you're leaving. Give me your ticket. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I was 34. I just I wasn't listening. Yeah. Now, these lines are brutal. I went to the bagel store a couple of weeks ago. I had to wait on one of these things. I had my son with me, and it was really boring. Yeah, waiting on line. Well, at least if you were by yourself, you could be on your phone. If yeah. you're with your son, you have to like entertain. Not that I mean, I guess he's entertaining you. That's fine. But yeah, lines in general are <laughs> he's not are that entertaining. That's the that's the problem. I'm like, hey, well, let's all right, let's look at the bagel. Well, it's also a problem because you're on the line, but I'm sure your son wants to be off the line. Yeah, you don't have to stand in single file. Well, let me get four snapples from the from the machine. You know, the whole point of the number system is to avoid you don't have to stand in a line. That's true. So you know, it's like, oh, look at this one, raisins. You see that raisin bagel? <laughs> not interested <laughs> I, I see you you're like go, you go around and you're like John Madden with the whole world you're just like explaining stuff yeah oh, I love it it's the, it's the best part <laughs> like, uh, like he thinks like oh look, oh look at this on YouTube want to see this you want to see this like uh, you could just dial up anything at any time like oh let's look at this want to see Spider-Man it's funny because kids mostly like they know exactly what they want it's not what you're showing them also right <laughs> yeah. like, no I don't want YouTube I want ice cream yeah <laughs> alright so George and Kramer, uh, they're going to go buy the bottle of wine. They're trying to break a $100 bill in the liquor store. Look at his money bags over here. Yeah, I feel like this is like, this is all the money he has in the world, it seems. Yeah, George only has 100 I mean, I feel like, I mean, could they have given him a 50 I feel like that would have been more plausible. It's crazy. I mean, Especially back then, 100 was like 150 Yeah, I only have hundreds. So Yeah, look at the big spender. All right, so Kramer is going to go outside and go to go break it, so... Kramer goes out to the street and starts yelling, hey, can anybody get change of 100? George is like paralyzed with fear. Like, what are you doing? You're going to get us killed. I mean, that really was the sentiment at the time. As we, you know, we've seen these episodes. This is like, it was still, the city was still dangerous. So, you you know, you wouldn't do that. Now it's like, who cares? <laughs> so they go to a newsstand and they're going to go and try to, now again, it's the idea of, Okay, that the liquor store won't break the money. Let me go buy a pack of gum at the newsstand. The newsstand will certainly break a hundred. I mean, that seems uh, out of this world as an idea as well. 
Yeah, although maybe he's thinking the newsstand guy will be more desperate, especially now that it's at night. Like the newsstand does better business during the day, right? With the coffee and the newspapers. I guess so. So he's not going to break that $100 bill for just the pack of gum. So Kramer's going to buy a newspaper and a Clark bar. And then ultimately he gets to a penthouse forum. <laughs> you know, uh, they did sell a lot of pornography at these uh, newsstands and especially like uh, in the airport also. Well, aren't they, weren't they behind like the white sort of like, uh, you know, sort of uh, blocker things? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I feel like that the uh, the print pornography business is really, I mean, even you have Playboy is saying that they're not even going to have like uh, naked pictures anymore. I feel like that that's really, you know, taking a toll. But, you know, they're still like trying to push it in all these different uh, places where you could buy newspapers. Still today? Yeah, I mean, you can go to any, you know, uh, airport, I feel like still has like, uh, you know, a bunch of like pornographic magazines that you could be buying to go and bring on an airplane. I feel like who who's bringing them on Mac? Like, it's, it's funny in like the 90s. If someone did that, like, OK, that's like a little wacky. If someone did that now, I would like ask to switch seats with. Them. Oh, I'm surprised that they're not just like escorted off the plane. If they of course, like, like <laughs> if if someone just like whipped out one of these like and not even like a classy one. Right. Like if whipped out some like independent, like you know yeah. like uh, like pornography magazine on the plane i'll be like uh stewardess <laughs> yeah um i would like to I, i'll like i'll take a middle seat rather than sit next to that well, guy hudson news is not getting the memo on this i don't think well the thing is there's charging they're getting like 349 for a soda mm-hmm. so i feel like this is just all bonus like the the magazines are a cover-up just to sell those drinks and the and the chocolate everything is like whatever you think it's going to be double it and then add 50 cents and that's how much that stuff costs now, the penthouse forum thing doesn't pay off in this episode. Does that pay off in one of the upcoming episodes? I mean, they mention it again. I don't know if it's the same magazine. I don't yeah. remember. All right. So George uh, is saying that the penthouse forum is not real. He says that if it is real, there's a lot of people having sex with amputees. I had to really think about this for a minute. Um, the sex with amputees thing, is that the, the, who's the amputee in this scenario? Oh yeah, that was sort of a weird throwaway line. Like, is it like, sort of like a Lieutenant Dan type situation where it's like a guy is like, hey, you know, I never thought I was going to get a girlfriend. Uh, you well, who know. writes the letters, men or women? It's, it all, seems it's like all men. Letter- like, I don't think that, that. Oh, so then the woman has to be the amputee. No, I think that the guy is like, hey, I, you know, I lost my legs in, in Vietnam and I never thought I would, you know, uh, meet, meet somebody like this. But she was my nurse. And, you know, I swear that this is a true story as opposed to I don't know why it would be sort of like, oh, well, you know, I met a woman with a prosthetic leg. I think that that's probably the guy's the amputee, right? Yeah, I'm not sure. It was a kind of a weird line here. <laughs> it's a weird, it's a weird line to have in there. Got a big reaction from the audience. Uh yeah, 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 it did. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> then, uh, some other guy walks past George. It's like a menacing sort of like foreign guy. And as the guy gets annoyed with George for like blocking the sidewalk with his jacket and uh, George is like, oh, it's, I apologize. It's a new coat. And Kramer says to him, uh, be careful with that thing. You're going to start a war. So, yeah, again, very, uh, you know, tense time once again. I mean, the war might be with Iraq if you look at later in the episode. <laughs> so uh, Jerry, they're online. And so again, it's such a weird setup at the bakery. Like, have you had this experience with a bakery where it's like you order over here, but then, then you get on another line to pay? Yeah, I had no idea what's going on here. Like, I, this bakery has a lot of rules. My experience at the bakery is that you order and then I think you're like paying with the same person that you're ordering from. I don't know. If yeah, there's no so. reason. There are uh, stores 
where, you know, it makes sense like, hey, I'm going to order here and then you pay there and it's streamlined. But I don't think the bakery needs to be one of those places because they're giving it to you that minute. Like the stuff is ready when you're ordering. Yeah. Anyway, so now they're waiting online. Jerry had ordered the black and white cookie. And again, he's talking about how, uh, you know, the cookie is uh, this this great symbol. Elaine, look to the cookie. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think like it kind of worked uh, then this whole like symbolism. My, my problem with the black and white cookie, Rob, is like, if this is going to make him sick, then like, why are they even like, and the cake had a hair on it. Like, are, shouldn't we be more concerned with the overall hygiene of this bakery? <laughs> no, we should be. Well, Elaine opens the cake box and then uh, sees, the, oh, there's a hair on the cake. And Jerry's like, oh, take it back. We need to get another one. And Elaine is the one saying like, no, 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 no it's fine. Let's just, uh, let's just go. We'll just take it off. And Jerry is saying, we need to get another cake. And, uh, you know, Elaine is saying like, oh, it might just be a, a, you know, a small hair. And Jerry has a good line. says, is that supposed to make me feel better? But Jerry yeah. is so, <laughs> we need to take the cake back. I mean, is is Jerry being way over the top? Is is Jerry the person to blame for these problems here at the bakery? If I got home and there was a, a hair in my cake, I wouldn't throw out the cake necessarily. But once you're in the bakery, I feel like it's reasonable to ask for a new, like a new cake because you're you're there. It's not like they're going to run into cinnamon bob because nobody's ordering them. I don't like. I'm pretty timid with these things. I don't know what you do. One time we went to like a nice. We're we're having a dinner in a nice hotel. And mm-hmm. there was a, they gave us a water pitcher and there was a dead like bug, like an ant or whatever. Yeah. A f- dead fly inside the pitcher. And my father and I were like, uh, yeah, who cares? Whatever. You know, it's not their, you know, it's not their fault, whatever. And my brother-in-law was like, no, 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 you got to say something. You got to tell them like, hey, can we have a new pitcher? And like, it's kind of gross. And he like made a big, not a scene, but he like, when they called over the maitre d' or the waiter or whatever, and they comped half the meals and it was expensive. So it was like $150 just for the fly. Okay. Well, that's not bad. Are you the say something type or no? I think if it's like something egregious, I would say something. But if it's something egregious Philbin. Yeah, egregious Philbin. Thanks for the hashtag. But I think that if it's something minor, like uh, I think I've talked about this before on the podcast. I had gone to uh, dinner with a uh, with a survivor and they just sent back a meal just because they did not like it. There wasn't even anything wrong with it. So no, no, I don't like this. Like, uh, can I get some, to take, send this back? I'm going to have this instead. Yeah, that, that's like a whole level that I, neither of us have the guts to do that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that being said, what is the holdup then here with, okay, this cake has a hair on it. Can we get a new cake? Why are they still here for another half hour? I mean, first she makes them wait online again, right? Yeah. She, I mean, she's the worst, this lady who, yeah. you know, the problem is she's team Benedict, right? She's not team Bennis here. Mm-hmm. She is really, uh, you know, because obviously she should just be here. Let me take that cake. Let me give you a cake. Two seconds. She's out of their hair. She doesn't have to deal with Elaine anymore. Right. But when we went from 47 to 49, like it's later now. Why are we still having and a lot like, of the times the bakery is like practically empty. There's like one other person in there. It looks like at this point. Yeah. The bakery, it was like kind of full when people were grabbing tickets, but there's not that many people in the bakery. So while they do have to get back in line. Now, is that an actual thing also, too? If you have to go back in line for like, oh, this has a hair in it. I mean, that would be, you know, it's a frustrating part of, of the number system, but can't have chaos and anarchy in the lines. Then everyone's going to be cutting. What if they had to bake a new cinnamon babka because they were all out of babka? But at that point, wouldn't you just say, you know what? Between you and me, let's just go to the party. Let's not eat the cinnamon babka. Let's have, we know it's the inferior babka. We'll have a piece of the chocolate babka or we won't have dessert. And then 
here is the cake. We took the hair off. Let's just assume it was Elaine's hair and move on from here. I mean, clearly that's what George and Kramer would have done mm-hmm. if they had gotten this job. But I feel like Jerry is just too anal about things like that to let, let the hair go. But I mean, we've established that they're all not so great people and are going to let people uh, f- like, for instance, we're going to see, you know, Jerry sees Poppy uh, not wash his hands. He doesn't stop people from eating at Poppy's. Uh, What's he going to do? Put up signs outside Poppy's? Right. But he he ends up, you know, dodging a bullet of like, uh, you know, he's going to let his date uh, eat that eat there. Um, right. But he's but he's just not going to eat it. Why can't that be the same with the cinnamon babka? It's a good question. Let's just get out of here. They're still waiting. They're not in a rush because they don't have the car. So they're just waiting for George. So they have nothing but time. I guess so. All right. So they talk about, well, maybe it's Elaine's hair. And uh, Jerry says she puts all sorts of like rainwater and stuff in there. Uh, Jerry's hair is clean. He uses the hard stuff, Prell. Yeah, nobody cares more about her hair than Elaine, she says. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, so George is uh, going to get the wine, and they they're finally they're all set. And so Kramer's reading the Penthouse magazine. They walk outside and they get to the street, but now somebody has double parked and blocked them in. Monster. Yes. Does this happen, Akiva? Sure. I mean, it's usually related to, you know, when you have to move your car. So then, like, what you do is, hey, for the next hour and a half, I'm going to double park because the other person probably isn't going anywhere anyway. And then I'll just move my car right back to the, the you know, the street that was the side of the street that was clean. So that happens all the time. But you can get ticketed for it. I definitely got ticketed for it when I lived in the city. Wow. And then what did you do to the person that you were blocking in? No, you sit. Well, a lot of times you're sitting in your car. It's a horrible move to leave your car what you do is you sit especially when you're in college and you have an hour you sit in your car double parked so you could you know really the alternate side parking in the city ruins your life i can't tell you how bad it is all right so then uh that being said they can't believe what's going on and it's night out and so george is talking about how he can't believe that you know they could put a man on the moon but somebody could be so stupid as to do this. And it seems like him and Kramer are really connecting about this. And he's even starting to think that this could have even been the person that built the rocket. Like he could be so smart about building rockets, but so stupid about this. Yeah, there's just like a nice interplay between George and Kramer here. Yeah. We're like, they're both so crazy that they're on the same page about everything. Yeah. George is like excited. Like, I feel like you really understand what I'm saying here because he could really have been so smart about rockets. <laughs> so I did. I did like that. And then George yeah. says, this is how dictators start. Somebody double parks, and then that's how dictators uh, start to uh, rise to power. Sure, you, you start small, and uh, you, you get the rush. You can't, the double parking rush isn't the same as, you know, like, uh, I don't want to say anything bad, but, like, it's not the same as what dictators can, you know, pull off later. Okay, so then we go back to Jerry and Elaine, and Jerry ends up going into, like, a bit of a monologue talking about how he had a very bad experience with uh, the hair in his farina. And he ends up talking about how there was a hair in his farina and he ended up freaking out. By the way, is the mentioning of the farina the most dated thing that's happened that they just assume that people know what farina is? Um, I don't know. I think people know. Does any person under 30 know what farina is? That's a good question. I think that uh, that is something that is not really. We uh, We really need a young person and like a millennial under 30 correspondent. Yeah. 
think hot cereal has really uh, gone out of style. That Quaker stuff. I love the Quaker stuff. That really has blown them out of the water. But I also love, Rob, like this, the, like the, the vomit story here. You know, they've been playing this up for a while. Just have the payoff here. This is like a really good job by the writers. Yeah. And so we end up with that. It's going to be Jerry uh, can't deal with the hair on the cake. Uh, because of this and we end up seeing like the woman who is working at the bakery is like continuing to cough i mean do you think she's the core like the cause of all these health problems is that what we're supposed to believe i would think so i mean it seems like uh this woman is you know coughing all over the place you know jerry, is it her hair also probably probably her hair jerry ends up sort of like uh vomiting here at this bakery uh that he hasn't vomited since uh, june 29 1980 and we're gonna have more on that the next time we see them in the bakery but i think that uh this woman is definitely probably at the epicenter this is like patient zero at the bakery oh my god i it is it is so crazy that they're gonna continue and bring this babka to the house yeah you're right like this babka who knows like Everyone at the party probably who I mean, probably no one ate it because it's cinnamon and they probably were eating the chocolate. But anyone who ate this babka, but the chocolate babka is the same thing. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> the same person made it. Well, did she serve them or did the guy serve him, though? Maybe the guy served them the babka. No, it was her. You're right. It was her because she says Mrs. Benedict. Yeah. Oh, man, they really dodge a bullet. This part, like people were going to the hospital straight from this party. Probably. So uh, Kramer and George are still waiting for the double Parker. They have like a case of mistaken identity where there's somebody that George tries to, you know, intimidate as the double Parker. But George is talking about how he's scared of Elaine. <laughs> Elaine so, is frightening. I totally, I totally buy that. I would get that. I, I totally, I'm, I'm with George. So they're so cold because Kramer doesn't have a fashionable coat that he really needs a coat like the, that guy designed that's warm and fashionable. They're going to go back into the liquor store. What happened to the coat that Jerry gave him in like season one? <laughs> I don't know. Well, that wasn't fashionable. Yeah, that's true. You could at least leave it in your car. Yeah. And so George tells this story about how one time he bought a Panama hat and then Elaine pulled it down over his head because she got mad at him. Uh, and then there's a funny callback uh, to that, that Elaine and Jerry are talking. She says, if, she, if he thinks that Panama hat, it was bad that time. I'm going to take that hood from that jacket and tie it so tight. And Jerry's sort of out of it because he is not feeling well. And by the way, we, we like to rag on Jerry for being a bad actor, but he does a good job here of making you think he's sick. Good. good. He's selling it. Yeah, he's selling the sick. All right. And so... The cookie is not agreeing with Jerry. The black and white are not getting along. He says it's like he's got David Duke and Farrakhan down there. Oh, such an early 90s reference. Very early 90s reference. And not since June 29th, 1980, the 14 year, almost 14 year streak is in jeopardy. The Cal Ripken of not vomiting is about to blow it. Yeah. Okay. And then there's also something odd that ends up happening, which I feel like is a little tacked on. There's a guy with a cane. And he's walking and he steps on a lane with the cane. Like he like puts his cane down on her foot. Yeah, this really has no payoff and has no reason other than just like to if they're saying like, hey, we want Elaine to be really miserable by the time George comes. And like, why would she be miserable just over the babka and Jerry throwing up? But it, it's, yeah, it's like nothing bad happened to her. Right. So I guess but it's pretty random and it's not like uh, connected to anything. Yeah. Somebody could have just like spilled a drink on her or something. Yeah, or like or like accidentally smeared the last chocolate babka on her coat. What do you think of the cane guy? I don't know. He's got like a funny voice. <laughs> He's got a very funny voice. 
And so yeah, he puts the cane on Elaine's foot and he's just like, sorry. Yeah, the, the man with the cane is Roger Eschbauer. And I don't know anything about him. Yeah, is he one of the writers? Oh, I don't think so. Mm, yeah. All right. Well, you think that's like that's like a Larry David type gig or a Larry Charles type? Yeah, I feel like type. he looks like a, one of these weirdo guys that they would have in the writers' room. He is a writer of Wabbit, a Looney Tunes production, but not of Seinfeld. Okay. All right. Also, Our Real Monsters. You ever watch that? Man, no. this guy has got real and Star. You like this Star Trek? He wrote Star Trek. Oh, there you go. Which one? Uh, uh, the really nerdy one. <laughs> How dare you? And so. <laughs> Just because you were a cool guy in the, uh, in the no, hallway. I, no, I was um, Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, yeah, that's the good one. All right. So Jerry finally is going to uh, boil over with this. Uh, you're going to get sick. He ends up going to the bakery bathroom. Not a great place to end your streak. That would be like Cal Ripken ending his streak in like the A's stadium. Yeah. And so I can't believe that there's even a bakery with a bathroom. And that they would let non-employees in. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, I know. It's really that there's no bakery. That, I mean, I'm sure. Okay. Is there, there's tables where you're sitting down and stuff like that. But I think there are because people probably coming in. It's like they may serve bagels in the morning, right? And people are sitting there and eating bagels. I don't know. I found that a little, a little bit of a stretch. Especially in Manhattan where like it's such a sort of like a hot button issue for like restaurants and stores. Uh, that have consumers to like come in and use their bathrooms and like, cause it's such a big deal to, you know, you're gonna have homeless people coming in. You're gonna have, it's a lot to upkeep. You know, there's Starbucks in Manhattan that like lock their bathroom. You have to get the key and yeah. so it is a big deal. I agree with you that there's no way a bakery would have a bathroom. Punch in the code and whatnot. Yeah. It's, it's too, it's way too much effort. You need like a full-time person cleaning it. It's not good. Yeah. All right. So Jerry heads for the bathroom. George and Kramer are back in the liquor store. They're talking about chickens. Do chickens have personalities? Akiva, have you thought about this? I mean, I thought about it. And now I'm a vegan. <laughs> I've been, th- I'm really been thinking about being a vegan. I feel like that would be great. You, you uh, no. <laughs> I f- that should be my next deal. Like if, you know, if somebody, uh, if like enough people don't like Nathan for you, I'll become a vegan. Okay. And so uh, they're talking about, well, we don't, shouldn't be eating the chickens if uh, they have personalities. So the guy from the liquor store says, hey, this isn't a hangout. You got to get out of here. Stop it. And he's very uh, mean to these guys. Very surly. Yeah. I mean, the store is empty and, you know, he has no, you know, no customers and they were customers. So he should be nicer. But I liquor stores also Manhattan. Like, it's a little tricky. Like, these guys have to have guns and, you know, you get robbed a lot. So you don't want like riffraff like Kramer hanging around. Right. And you have this guy in this giant coat. You don't know what he's putting in that. Sure. Coat. He could be packing, you know, like a like a. I don't know, an M67. In well, there. I thought more he's stealing, but, you know, you don't know what's going oh, on. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think yeah. about that. Yet. And so that they're trying to, like, reason with the guy, and then George ends up, like, knocking over a bunch of bottles with his puffy coat. Yeah, he should have run here. <laughs> and the guy says, you're paying for these. And then Kramer does, like, a really uh, classic Kramer fall because he's standing in all the wine. It's a good fall. I also think, like, if you own the liquor store, I feel like this must happen all the time, right? Yeah, it seems like the bottles are sort of all like in precarious places. Yeah, I was not a great job by the guy. I mean, he has, he's limited in space. It's a it's a Manhattan shop, but I would be very nervous the whole time I owned the liquor store. Like a kid comes in, you know, a little kid. Like I know my son would break fifty bottles the first minute he was in there. Yeah. All right, so he has to pay for these, and uh, that is a trade that's going to be made uh, that we're going to see. <laughs> Who knew that the liquor guy worked on the barter system? Yeah, well, I guess it was scary cold. I guess he must be cold, too. I feel like George could have paid for the, the wine and 50 bucks for the coat. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't. Th- I think just the wine, it's not enough. Yeah. And we know he's got the money in his wallet, right? Yeah. 
He's got 80 bucks. He's got 80 bucks, you would think, but I guess that's some uh, expensive wine. I mean, yeah. Maybe it was 80 bucks and the coat. Oh, you think so? Oh, wow. I don't know. <laughs> that's a lot of wine. So anyway, so now they're standing outside and they have no jacket. And then we end up seeing the person who comes out of the double parked car. And it appears to be Saddam Hussein. It's kind of, you know, it's just it's such a weird scene here. Yeah. And so Saddam Hussein gets in the car and says, uh, you know, I wouldn't walk around with without a coat in this weather. I mean, he's such a concerned citizen. Saddam Hussein. It's also like it's hard if someone's younger, like our whoever our millennium millennial correspondent ends up being like, it's hard to explain how big of like a boogeyman Saddam Hussein was at this time. Right. Mm-hmm. He was like larger than life. Like, you know, he was like the definition. You know, we didn't know who Osama bin Laden was. He was like the definition of evil. Right. So, like, the idea that, like, he's there is, like, scary almost. I remember watching this episode, like, oh, my God, Saddam Hussein? Yeah. And Saddam Hussein, I guess, is sort of like, you know, he, you know, he gets, he's really big in, like, 91, 92. This is 94. Um, but it's really implausible to think that Saddam Hussein would be in the United States at this point in time. My wife's grandmother, she wanted the upstairs neighbors. They were, like, on her head making too much noise. You know, when you live, like, in a city apartment. Or I guess any apartment, you know, the people over your head sometimes are like the bane of your existence. So she, the first time I met her, she told me that the night before she had called up uh, 311 or the police or whatever and told them that uh, she's pretty sure that she found Saddam Hussein and uh, he's living above her apartment. Mm, like because she hated those people. I don't know how it went for her, but that's what she said. Unironic. <laughs> it wasn't like she was just trying to get them arrested. Yeah, he probably was not there and he probably was not living in any apartment in Manhattan. I feel like it would not, especially like with no sort of, uh, you know, disguise. Like they used to say, didn't they used to say like, there was like five phony Saddams just cause they were so nervous. Yeah. Exactly like him. So maybe this is one of the phony ones got away and went to New York. Yes. All right. So then, uh, we end up with, and after Saddam Hussein, uh, we see then George comes into the bakery and he's freaking out. Jerry wants to know, uh, where's the coat? And says, uh, what are you, drunk? <laughs> like, uh, no, it was a long story. And uh, they have the babka. And he wants to know, cinnamon babka, why didn't you get chocolate? Uh, yeah, don't, don't talk about, about it. Murder him. What about, and, and the lady also says to them, how do you like a nice box of scram? Yeah, scram. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> yeah. And God knows what she did to the cinnamon box. Just every restaurant here, every store is really, uh, they have to work on their customer service. Yeah. Nobody has good customer service in the early 90s here. No, it was hammer time. It was not hammer time for customer service. Yeah. The Yelp reviews uh, were not going to be a thing. Ooh, Elaine would have been a perfect person to leave mean Yelp reviews. All right. So finally, everybody ends up going to the party. They open the door and it's just like, here's your cake. Here's your wine. And then they uh, tell them, see ya, and they end the episode. It's a funny way to end the episode. I do think like the writer's like, oh, well, you know, we have no time to really do anything. Like, what do we do? And it's a little bit of a cop out, but it's funny. Yeah, no, I don't have any problems with the way the episode ended. I think it's just my big question is, what is the timeline of this episode? So where did this day begin? Would you say is would you say it's like uh, the day started at like 2 p.m. at Jerry's house and then ended at the party at like 637? I feel like 637. They still would have gone into the party. I think it has to be later. Later than that. I mean, how late was the bakery open? Bakery doesn't stay open past. Uh, it's another problem with the episode, Rob. The bakery. I mean, it looks like it's closing by the time that they are done. Right. Yeah. Looks like they're closing up shop almost. When she tells him to get a nice box of scram. I, I mean, this is really one of the great questions. I feel like Chester could do a real deep dive here and give us something next week. All right. So I'm just taking a look up some Manhattan bakery 
in New York and seeing what their <laughs> what their hours are. From what I remember, like stores that sell things like bagels that are traditionally breakfast and lunch food, you know, they they close very early a lot of times. Yeah. All right. So I'm looking at the this is the Dominique Ansel Bakery on mm. 189 Spring Street in uh, New York. Uh, their hours on Sundays are 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. I feel like that's pretty reasonable. Yeah. OK, so seven. But so they're getting there at about eight o'clock, let's say. Yeah. Also, wait, Rob, let's back up a second. Where where is the party? <laughs> is the party in Manhattan? Yeah, I think it's got to be. I mean, it is, right? They're showing up to an apartment, so it's presumably it's in the city. Another bakery, the City Bakery on uh, 3 West 18th Street, uh, Sunday hours. I hope they're paying for this sweet advertisement. 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Oh, 5 p.m. Oh, my God. Saturday, they're open till 6. Yeah. So that really moves up the time. Bakery is not open that late. Oh, my gosh. So latest it could have been that the gang leaves the bakery at 7 o'clock, and it may have been like 6 o'clock, you're saying. Mm Mm-hmm. So the day had to start really early because how else could they be this exhausted <laughs> that they don't even stay for the party? Yeah, so we'll see. Maybe it's a maybe it's one of these uh, you know late night bakeries that they have. Do they have twenty four hour bakeries? I'm not sure. I don't think so. All right, so Jerry's closing stand up. He talks about hats with flaps, the old tundra hats. Uh, he says that if somebody was going to be on trial and pleading insanity, they should wear one of these hats. I feel like that this joke is a bit dated. I feel like that hat has come back into the fold. Yeah, I feel like it's ironically much cooler now than maybe it was when Jerry's talking about it. What do you think about Jerry actually having the hat with flaps as a prop? Yeah, this is like the second or third time he's had some sort of prop. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting. It doesn't real. it's not what you expect of Jerry's comedy, but it's not so ridiculous. I feel like he never did this in a real stand-up set, though. I feel like this is, you know, they're filming that for the show. I feel like, though, that the times that Jerry has had a prop, it's been like a pen take, that he takes out of his jacket or a notebook. I feel like that this is a, a real prop here. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's like, where is this when he walks out on stage? Is it in his pocket? Because it's a big hat. It's a big hat. Okay. So uh, we'll see. And then he says that the hat says to the world, I would rather have the heat in my skull than anything else in this world. So it's like sweatpants. It's like his opinion on sweatpants. Yeah. All right. Like, I'd rather be comfortable than look like a, you know, a functioning member of society. In terms of 2015, how would this episode be different? Oh, it's a good question. This is one of like... Would the liquor store accept Apple Pay? I mean, it would probably break, right? Yeah. They, they'd try and use like coin or whatever. It wouldn't work also. Probably. Right. I, I do th- like there are a lot of stores in the city that still don't take credit cards. So I'm not sure that... Oh, and bakeries. Like, you know, I remember a bakery I went to in the city that does not take credit cards either. Like a lot of stores that do general business that's like four dollars, you know, typically have like a four dollar purchase don't do it mm-hmm. i feel like i feel like they would have just gotten some sort of delivery they're like uh, gave it given up gone to the apartment and just done some sort of like you could get wine and baked goods delivered now i feel like they would have just done that yeah okay all right so we'll see ultimately uh what they would have done differently next time we have a dinner party i don't know if that's gonna happen never gonna happen all right uh where do you have this in your episode rankings Okay. You know, there are some flaws. I don't love the Saddam Hussein stuff. It's worth mentioning uh, that it's a different guy, but it's Larry's voice. Yeah, the voice is really, it seems like it's just dubbed weird. I don't know what. Yeah, it it almost feels like a deleted scene. Yeah. But it really is an interesting episode. There aren't like some amazing lines, but it's, you know, like it has like a real narrative. It has plenty going on for it. So I have this episode all the way up at uh, number 49. Wow. Okay. Just inside the top 50. I can live with that. Just inside the top 50. Yeah. 
I think that's probably a little higher than I would have thought you had it. I probably would have guessed probably around like 60, 70, 75, but um, okay. Good on the dinner party. But, you know, we, maybe we should have you guess where I think it is. Should we do that from now <laughs> yes, on? Yes, let's do that. Okay, perfect. All right. So let's get into some of our Seinfeld email that comes to us every week. Seinfeld at post show recaps. Uh, just to check in with Dan. Dan is the guy who is going to donate $1 for charity for every minute of Seinfeld podcast that we go over an hour and 10 minutes uh, per episode. Uh, we talked about last week, if we go less than an hour and 10 minutes, that we would the charity should lose money. Uh, and he says, okay, losing, he's laughing at losing money for shorter podcasts. Uh, he says, we're, he's not sure that we need to be that strict. I am. I'm sure about it. And he says, if you if we miss an episode, we might bankrupt the whole thing. What if we miss a week? What about when my wife has a baby? If we have to miss an episode, do we well, just, well, just you know, we're we're podcasting from the from the birthing room. I feel like <laughs> that's not missing an episode, yeah, right? Yeah, just, I don't think that should count. Like it shouldn't be like okay, we lose seventy dollars because there was no episode this week. I mean, we're really taking like one maximum week off in seventy seven weeks. I feel like we should be getting some credit for this. All right. And so well, we're nothing. Uh, we're nothing if not consistent. Yes. All right. So there's and there's still some question as to well, what that charity is going to be. But I guess we don't have to officially nail that down until the end of season five. Right. Right. When I mentioned it to my wife, I said, what's a good charity? And then we probably got off on some other tangent about it and like take out the car or something. But when I mentioned it to my wife, she said, well, if you go under an hour and 10 minutes, you and Rob should have to pay the money. Hmm. No. <laughs> <laughs> This is the first time she's ever volunteered money. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's take some of our emails. Uh, this is from uh, Elizabeth. Uh, Elizabeth says that I loved Akiva sharing the story of taking his wife to an amusement park. It was really sweet. Made me tear up a little bit. How about that, Akiva? Wow. Our first and only date, my wife and I, and it made her sad. <laughs> On a different note, the president of the association I work for constantly needs to eat and snack. He has the fastest metabolism. I've been told that he opened up his briefcase in the middle of a meeting and pulled out a tuna fish sandwich to eat. We all question, why is it tuna? A ham or turkey sandwich would be more discreet. Yeah, no, I know. We, we've gone over this many times, but the tuna sandwich, like the airplane tuna sandwich <laughs> or the confined place tuna sandwich is basically a hate crime on the people you're around. <laughs> it should be like cigarettes at this point, tuna sandwiches. Okay, uh, let's take one. Uh, do you remember that we have a, a, del a food delivery correspondent? Of course. So, yeah, I mean, I have to make an Excel spreadsheet to keep track, but I do remember that. All right. Uh, the, the thing, the, the great move for the part of the correspondence is to get a week ahead of us in terms of watching the episode so they know when to weigh in. And that's exactly what our food delivery correspondent, Colin, did. Uh, it says, hey, guys, it's Colin, your delivery guy expert here with a few thoughts about the double Parker from this week's episode. As a delivery guy, I can tell you we do this kind of thing all the time. Throw on your four ways and you're good to go. Combine that with the car top pizza shop sign, and there's practically no rules. I've blocked people in, stopped on busy streets, parked in reserve parking spots, you name it. People don't get mad because they know we're just trying to make a living. We deliver the pizza and get the hell out of here. Yeah, you, first of all, Colin clearly doesn't deliver in the city in Manhattan because the cops are not as fuzzy about the, uh, about the double parking as maybe they are where he lives, but... My question is, if you, if I'm a uh, Domino's delivery guy, right? Right. And I get a, and I get a parking ticket. I pay that, right? Domino's does not pay that for me. I don't believe so. Uh, we'll have to ask Colin. You know, that could really add up. That's like, you know, that's like many hours of your salary. Yeah. Colin also says, uh, so I guess that what Saddam really needed to do was to put a pizza delivery sign on top of the car. 
then he could have parked anywhere and no one would have been mad at him. It's not a bad idea. But he wants to be inconspicuous. He doesn't want to draw more attention than the fact that he's already looking exactly like Saddam Hussein. Okay. So if he could just get like the sign made up that says uh, Saddamino's, I think then, oh, then he God. would be fine. Oh, man, that's our hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Uh, Johnny DeSilvera wants uh, to say, uh, has a question for us. He wants to know, uh, what did Jerry and Elaine possibly think of the way that the bakery was run? Uh, they were just standing around, not taking a number and not looking for a line to stand in. It was a very passive job by them. I, they really had no plan. They came, It was like the Jets last week. They just came in. They looked like they, there was no effort. They had no, there was no game plan. And, you know, not enough men on the field. Okay. Now, we've talked so much about cake and pie recently on the podcast, Akiva. Uh, Johnny wants to know, what's your favorite dessert? Personally, I love Black Forest cake. I get it every January for my birthday. All right. Well, happy new year and happy early birthday to Johnny DeSilvera. Early birthday is the same as saying happy new year on February 15th, Rob. (laughs) You'll tell Johnny happy birthday next. next I might not remember. Uh, He'll remind us. Johnny, remind us. (laughs) He'll remind us. All right. Loves Black Forest cake. Akiva, is there any cake you would eat? Oh, boy. Well, strawberry shortcake. My, when my kids want to make a cake and they know I'll like eat a little bit of it, they make strawberry shortcake. Okay. This is an email from Mike who writes to us uh, talking about last week's episode. It's strange. I always had a different take on the ending of the stall. I thought that Jane was just uh, doing that to pull their legs. Uh, she just broke up with Jerry and knowing uh, that he and Kramer think she's the phone sex girl, she adds fuel to the fire with her you either line. And she could have had uh, plausibly come to Monks to find Jerry at the same time that Kramer was meeting Erica. I find that to be a much smaller coincidence than the one where Kramer's phone sex girl just happens to be Jerry's girlfriend. What do you think? Did uh, the uh, the woman, I forget her name, uh, did she, Jane, Jerry's girlfriend, do you think that she was faking being the phone sex person? Uh, I think Mike just blew our minds. Yeah, but... This is, it, I mean, at this point, like, he's... I don't know if he's totally selling me, but it's at least 50-50. Like, how does she know? Like, is it because they say I recognize that voice. That's the argument against Mike, right? Well, here's the thing. If if he's right, then doesn't Erica, the phone sex lady, show up later at Monk's and say, like, hey, I'm here. Yeah, but maybe they're gone by then. Or maybe she doesn't know who she's looking for. Maybe she chickens out because it was a completely crazy thing to do in the first place to meet one of your clients and she's nervous she's going to get fired, right? Like to me, the bigger problem is that the way they're onto her is that they recognize her voice is the exact same. the The phone operator is the exact same as the Jane they know. Yeah. So uh, to me, it's too many levels of coincidence. Too many things have to go wrong. This is like the exact argument you make against like Adnan, right? In this in serial, right. it's like you need fourteen different coincidences to go your way for him not to have done it. All right, and I think that the average woman, and again, tell me if I'm being wildly speculative here. I think is so insulted with the accusation, hey, you're a phone sex person. I knew it the whole time that I don't think that then by the time she leaves the restaurant is like playing along with it to try to mess with them. No, I feel like she's just furious, never wants to see these people again, especially in 1994. Why is it more acceptable now? I think it's probably more acceptable now. I feel like, you know, society is maybe uh, this is hammer time, less puritanical. Right. For sure. But I feel like that particular job is like almost out the window. (laughs) Right. Right. It would be more of a stigma that you worked in such a dated profession as being a, a phone sex worker. That's true. That's true. <laughs> that would be more of a stigma. <laughs> what, what do you do in the side? Blockbuster video? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> work in the public library. What, you think public libraries are going out of style? Are they? I don't know. I feel like the, the book publishing, I feel like, is down. I feel like libraries are still doing okay. They're still doing good. My mom is a big library goer. Still? Yeah. I feel like I'd also like to take the kid to the library. You know, before you could get all the movies, uh, you know, for free in a hundred different ways and television shows, like, let's say you wanted to catch up on, uh, you know, Deadwood, let's say, right? Uh-huh. And there was no HBO Go. So actually a really good way to do it was I would, you know, let's say there's like three seasons of Deadwood. You'd order them from the New York library and they email you when they're in. And that's like a much better way to watch them than, you know, you're not going to buy like three seasons for $100 and you're never going to watch it again. Yeah, but I think overall, I think I would sell my library stock uh, at this point. Like, I feel like this could be the last generation for the library because I feel like eventually, you know, the kid is just going to have like an iPad and, uh, you know, they'll just get access to all the different books. Like, I feel like that's going to be sort of like to have all, all the right. books in one place seems like uh, sort of a uh, not the best use of resources. Right, I'll, I'll say I'm holding it. I'm not I'm not I'm not bullish on it, but I'm 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 yeah. neutral. I'm probably I'm you know, I'm, my mind, I'm always thinking like 20 years out there, Akiva. <laughs> You're going to short libraries, <laughs> shorten libraries, call up, call up your money guy tonight and be like, I'm going to short your L.A. <laughs> Sell your library stock. The first library that's going is the Los Angeles <laughs> public library system. Right. So why? Because there's too much traffic to get to the library. Well, that's one thing. It's probably like a 40 minute drive for most people to get to the library. I feel like there's less reading being done in L.A. Than any other big city. <laughs> Why? Well, maybe Miami. There's a lot of partying going on in Miami. I think that for kids, I think it's really good. I, they have good libraries, but I, I feel like there's a lot of people who are not readers. Mm. I don't know. Okay. Seems like a, it's a little, uh, what's the right word? Geophobic of uh, Los Angeles? <laughs> Listen, East Coast, baby. Yeah. You, you, you wouldn't have been offended back in the day. You would have made the same line. <laughs> same joke, but you know. You're, do you view yourself now as a West Coaster? Or- I don't think I would have attacked los angeles on the library system are you are you a new yorker at heart or do you at this point are you a la person i am a new yorker living in los angeles you should just start rooting for the dodgers at this point (laughs) come on stop (laughs) (laughs) well you're gonna get good news you're gonna get a football team soon you don't have to worry about the jets yeah well yeah i would i I think to go to like an away game i think that would be really a a good scenario right well if it's the raiders you're still gonna get murdered if you that's true yeah i I was hoping for an expansion team to be honest i don't want to or the chargers are fine maybe they'll change the name yeah but i feel like that that's fine because they don't have any fans anyway it'll just become the the la people okay all right last up chester he says to us the four characters in seinfeld aren't part of a larger social group they only know each other through jerry Jerry and George have friends in common from growing up, and Jerry and Elaine could have had friends in common from when they were dating, but it makes no sense that all four of them would independently be invited to the same dinner party. The party is for someone who Elaine is friends with. How do they know that Kramer and George weaseled invites? Again, this is, uh, we've talked about this so many different times where, you know, Kramer is throwing a party, Crazy Joe Davola is invited. It's, it's like, you know, how come all four of them are always invited to the same stuff when they have no mutual acquaintances? I think at a certain point, it's like the Beatles. Like, you're not going to just invite Ringo. You have to invite the whole group. People know that they travel in a pack. That's the only logical answer, right? <laughs> Jerry's entourage, maybe. Basically, Jerry's a celebrity. If you're a celebrity, you get to bring a plus three. Yeah, it's sort of like you invite Vincent Chase to the party and, you know, that you don't have to also invite Turtle and Johnny Drama and E. They all just all come. Totally. And you're, you're lucky that, you know, there's no Ari in the, in the Seinfeld group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Then uh, also, Chester uh, wants to know, why did they drive a car to this party? Is the party outside the city? Why do they need to drive to the liquor store and the bakery? 
There's a liquor store in every block in Manhattan, and there's tons of bakeries. Now I'm not joking. If we ever got Jerry or Larry on the podcast, I think I would only ask them in-depth questions about the dinner party. Like, we want to nail down this timeline. Like, maybe there's a chance they'd play along with it. Maybe. We'll say, like, uh, you know, who's it? Is this Jerry or Larry? Is this Because Larry wrote this episode. Yeah, I think we have to speak to LD. Jerry's say, not going like, to LD, like, there's so many questions that we have to ask you, and... We figure instead of like going sort of like a mile wide and an inch deep in this interview, we want to just completely drill down as far as we can on one specific episode. <laughs> Do you recall the dinner party? <laughs> and maybe we like, like uh, yes, yes, that happens to be my favorite episode that I ever wrote of the show. I mean, I feel like we could really, it, you're right. I think there's a chance he'd play along with it. Like he's been asked the same questions a million times. What's your favorite episode? Which episode do you regret? You know, this blah, 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 blah. You know, how come there's no black people in the show? Like, I feel like honing in on one episode would be brilliant. It's like a one in a hundred chance, but it's like, it's sort of like, we're just like, you know, swinging with all our might. And maybe if we get our pitch, like that's, we're just going to knock it out of the park. But there's a a huge chance we just go out swinging. No, well, we we might Cespedes it where we're like, hit it so hard, like it breaks our foot. We don't even realize our foot's broken. We're still in there podcasting. <laughs> right. Uh, this is a question from Chester. Jerry doesn't like carrot cake because you don't make carrots into a cake. But educated consumers like myself know that carrot cake is actually the best of cakes. And it doesn't taste like carrots at all. We know Akiva is a cake hater. But where are you two on carrot cake in particular? Wow. Did you know that Chester was such a carrot cake apologist? I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea. Carrot cake is pretty good, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to say that I, I didn't think of carrot cake, but I like carrot cake more than strawberry shortcake. So it's now my favorite cake. Wow. It's fine. It, it's, it's Again, one piece of carrot cake is good. Two, and you're going to be, you know, in the bathroom at the uh, at the bakery throwing up. I feel like and again, you get that che- cream cheese frosting. I think it's sort of like a good cake that you could sort of like delude yourself into like, hey. Like, I didn't eat that bad. I ate carrot cake. I mean, that was practically a vegetable. Yeah, that's the scam they have going for it. <laughs> it's the same thing about getting sweet potato fries, where if I go out like, oh, like, oh, okay, I'll have the sweet potato fries. I'm actually eating healthy today. Yeah, totally. Then also, uh, Chester wants to know, what kind of an a-hole in the liquor store kicks out paying customers? After all, George gives up his coat and they still have to wait outside? <laughs> well, to be fair, the liquor store guy did need to sweep up glass, so yeah. he couldn't really have them hanging out. <laughs> and then also, when Chester says, the Saddam Hussein thing always annoyed me. Some vaguely swarthy guy with a mustache walks by and George thinks it could be Saddam Hussein. What the hell would Saddam Hussein be doing in the United States. Also, does he have the beret, though? I don't think he has the beret. Mm. And why does he sound like British Larry David? <laughs> Great question. It is one of the holes of this episode. Well, like, why Why is Saddam even there? Okay, so uh, we'll, we'll see. Was Saddam in the bakery? No, right? No, but I mean, Saddam Hussein, you know, uh, like had like a little bit of a run where they were trying to use him in a lot of comedy things. Did you ever see the Hot Shots movies? No, I know there was a part due. Yeah, it was Hot Shots. I part just remember due. the commercials. Yeah, it was yeah. basically it was like a uh, the uh, Charlie Sheen uh, sort of like you know there was like almost like a uh, Top Gun type parody, and Saddam Hussein was the uh, the villain in both of those movies. Sort of like uh, I think it was the Farrelly brothers that uh, that were doing those movies, or maybe wow. it wasn't the Farrelly brothers. It was uh, uh, some like wannabe Farrelly brothers movie. <laughs> the wannabe Farrelly. Well, we're gonna get we're gonna get the Farrelly brothers very soon. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, it's with uh, yeah, Hot Shots starring 
Charlie Sheen, Lloyd Bridges, uh, also another uh, Pee Wee Herman uh, acquaintance of uh, 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 Valeria Giolino uh, from uh, Big Top Pee Wee. Well, you're really all up on the Pee Wee stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. All right. So uh, next week, we talked about how it was going to be uh, the marine biologist. Very excited for that. Yep. Some people think it's the best episode. We'll talk about it and we'll uh, we'll see for ourselves. We'll talk about that. Uh, what are we going to go with the hashtag? Sedominoes? I like Sedominoes. I did. Like, what would I say? Egregious Philbin is not my original joke. <laughs> so let's go with Sedominoes. It's, that's a Harris Wills joke. I just had to. Got to bring him back since he's no, he's no longer with us. <laughs> All right. Uh, you can follow Akiva on Twitter. He's at Keeve26. I am at Rob Sisternino. Uh, we have not really been pushing for our uh, uh, for our honest reviews of the week. I'm not going to like pressure people into five stars. Honest. We're looking for now our honest review of the week. How about well, that? We'll take any review at this point. Any review. Any review at this point. Uh, I don't want to sound desperate, but you can go to postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes to leave your honest review of the Seinfeld podcast. I don't want to put pressure on people. Uh, yeah. I'm, what, if, what if it's a dishonest review where they like the podcast, but they say, eh. Yeah, that's fine. They don't want us to look too good. That's fine. And then... Uh, I think that as long as they're leaving us something, I think that just the activity on iTunes uh, really helps. Yeah, just to, let uh, us know that you love us. Yeah, to, to uh, jolt the system. Akiva, how's the football podcasting going? I think we had one of our best episodes this week. Speaking of uh, Chester, we were just talking about. We we had a good time. We, we decided to rank the 32 coaches, but we only got halfway through. Oh, I think you're going to rank the carrot cakes. You may not know this, but I guess I'm like long-winded and we get onto tangents on on that podcast just like this one. That is definitely going over 70 minutes. So we, we discussed that. We had a really good, if anybody's interested in Grantland, we had like a, a long uh, back and forth about Grantland also. Okay. But uh, you know, we gave our football picks. They're all wrong. I had the Miami Dolphins winning the Super Bowl. So listen to what we have to say and do the opposite. <laughs> you picked the Dolphins win the Super Bowl this year? Yeah, I had the Dolphins Cardinals in the Super Bowl. Okay. Uh, now, Akiva, how can people find the 32 Fans in 32 Days podcast? I think just search 32 Fans in 32 Days. Yes. All right. There you go. Nice. Search it in iTunes. All right. So thank you so much to uh, Mike Moore, who writes our outstanding episode summaries on postshowrecaps.com. Uh, very detailed summaries that he writes up. And also Scott St. Pierre, who tries to uh, stitch all of this nonsense together in the editing. Yeah, that's a tough task this week. Oh, tall order. All right. Good show today, Akiva. Look forward to uh, going to go have some carrot cake uh, after this. Uh, we will be back next week to talk to marine biologists on postshowrecaps.com. You should subscribe to the podcast at postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. Have a good week, everybody. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye.